is just like staying up too late on computers and that blue light spectrum, it really doesn't do us any favors in terms of getting us ready for sleep. Thank you for tuning in to the Fit Smart Podcast. My name is JC Dean. I'm sitting here with my good friend and co-host, Roger Lawson. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm glad you are listening again because we're about to blow your minds just a little bit. So uh, the main thing I want to talk about with regards to stress is that it's just not a, uh, a blanket, all good or bad type deal. Like it's a bit more nuanced than that. So the main two types of stresses are first eustress and distress. So eustress is pretty much good, quote unquote, good types of stress because it's mainly short term and it, it's not something that's going to continue on for a long time. So if you want to put an example to you, stress, think of something like strength training. So, you know, you're typically focuses you on that task at hand for that short period of time. It makes you rise to the challenge versus breaking you down. Even though strength training does break you down, it's not something that's chronic. So really that's the best types of stress is short in duration and once you recover for, from it, you're better for having gone through it. And the other type of stress which we want to really talk about like mitigating as much as we can is distress. And that's something that can really just impact your life negatively because it's, it's typically something that's more long-term. So think of something like work-related stress or some kind of mental stress that you, you can't seem to shake. And it just continues on for weeks, months, maybe even years on end. And it can also be short term too, but more than more often than not, it's something that's longer term that you've been dealing with for a while. And things like this can also include dieting. So that's something we'll cover as well. But dieting is a stressor. So you want to be careful of how you you manage it. So these are the two types of stresses that we'll talk about today. And mainly just distress is something that we really want to avoid as as often as possible for a lot of reasons we'll get into today and some methods that we found to be helpful for just mitigating that as much as possible. Yeah, and one thing that we should remember and as we go through this whole talk is that stress in itself is not necessarily a good thing or a bad thing. It's just a part of life and how we operate. And if you think about just humans in general on a timeline, we are here because our ancestors endured various types of stresses. And some of the people didn't survive because of too much stress, but the people that did survive and thrived was because they were exposed to just enough stress. Now, if you're not exposed to any stress at all, then you tend to get weak and you probably won't survive. So there is a certain amount of stress that is what we might call optimal. And in the context of this podcast, since we're talking about training and nutrition and lifestyle, try to think of training in itself as what we'll just like label a good stress. Now, too much training can turn into a lot of stress and what we mentioned distress, but if you want your body to change, you want your body to grow, you have to expose it to various stressors, whether they come from training with heavy loads or eating less when it comes to dieting to lose body fat. And those stresses in themselves can 
make you change physically and it can actually impact your health for the better depending on how you're doing things and what's going on. But if you diet for too long or you eat too few calories over a period of time, then the stress builds up and it becomes too much. So one thing I think is a good illustration is think of a pendulum. Pendulum swings to the left and it swings to the right. And most of the time, you'll look at the left and the right as being the far extremes, whether it be one side or the other. And then the pendulum always comes back to the middle eventually, and that's the, the period of like least resistance. Uh, that's the, the least amount of stress. But our lives essentially, especially when we talk about training and nutrition, are usually some type of pendulum. And whether we either do it on purpose or whether it happens naturally, if you go for, let's say, a couple days where you don't eat much, let's say you're really busy or you're traveling or something's going on and you don't get a chance to eat much, or maybe you got sick and so you don't really feel like eating, just something happens and your appetite decreases or you deliberately don't eat for a couple days. Well, you're, you're on the extreme. We'll just say you're, you're swinging really far to the left. Well, naturally, your body is going to be really hungry and your brain is going to be sending all these signals to your body and telling you that you've got to eat and eventually you're going to eat a lot of food. So at that point, you're swinging all the way to the right to the opposite side. So you went from a period of eating very little to no food to eating a ton of food. Now, both of those are stressors to the body. They're just different types of stressors. So too much food can overload the digestive system, can make you lethargic, can make you tired, but too little food can make you really hungry. It can also make you tired, but it can also jack up your stress hormones and and give you this weird state of euphoria and make you a little wired. So that's just kind of an example of what we're talking about here. The same goes with training. If you train very little, you might get some benefit, but you're not going to see a ton of change in your physique, especially if you're not doing it that intensely. But if you train seven days a week and you're doing two or three hour sessions, then you might break your your body down so much that you can't recover and you might actually get injured. And as a result of that, you're not going to be able to train. Raj, what do you think about that in terms of stress goes in in terms of voluntary and uh, the stress that we put on ourselves and when it can become too much or too little? The, The biggest thing about stress is that, like you said, it is a bit of a pendulum and we need it to grow, but too much of it is, isn't helpful and too little of it, it, it we will just not <laughs> will uh, degrade because it's, it's like if you train if you're used to training for a while and you stop training for months years on end you're naturally going to lose some of the results that you've you've gained and that's that's just a natural process so we do need to keep a certain amount of stress in our lives but then again like you mentioned too much is counterproductive as well so in terms of just muscle building and fat loss and, and just not being so worn down all the time, I think one of the the biggest stress reductors that people can focus on today, like as soon as they finish this episode, they can start in implementing this habit, is just getting better sleep. Because without that, anything else you're doing is just it's just putting a Band-Aid on a, a giant gaping wound. <laughs> you won't be able to really bridge that gap. So sleep is what really is going to help with all of this. So things that we do, we commonly do that kind of take away from our sleep and getting the right amount of it is just like staying up too late on computers and that blue light spectrum. It really doesn't do us any favors in terms of getting us ready for sleep because that, that spectrum of light really is, 
is what gets us amped up and keeps us awake and gets us going. So if we're looking at screens at night, that will not help us get to sleep better. So one thing I've found to be helpful is there's an app on um, at least the Mac. I don't know if it's for Windows, but it's uh, Flux, and you can control your uh, light um, spectrum to more of the red spectrum, which isn't as um, harmful for your your sleep patterns as the blue light spectrum is. Also, if you want to not install that and you just want to be a little bit goofier, you can get some orange orange tinted glasses, which has the same effect, but now you just have some glasses on. But I've found that to be really helpful in terms of just getting some, setting the, the, the stage for good sleep and also um, just blackout curtains or if you can't do that, some kind of eye mask to really block out light to keep you from disturbing your sleep. Because really what we're looking for here is just uninterrupted periods of sleep where we're not like waking up in the middle of the night and going to pee and trying to get back to sleep. You want that full room cycle because I, I view sleep as a like a reset button on your computer. Like if you have too many tabs open and you, you can't even see the pictures anymore because it's like 50 million of them open and it's just slowing your computer down. That's the same way I view sleep. And when we're sleeping, there's so many hormonal processes going on that help reduce stress and make us more capable of handling stress when we do experience it, that that's the first place I would start with all of this. Yeah. So that's kind of getting into uh, some of the ways to mitigate stress and sleep is definitely the most important thing I would say for majority of individuals, especially now that we're always on computers or always on screens, you know, taking our screens to bed with us, using our iPads, using our smartphones. And I think in general, people tend to neglect sleep because there's there's a couple of reasons here. Some people are just so busy and trying to get things done that they feel like they can't sleep enough. There's just not enough hours in the day. And then some people have this like weird badge of honor thing, like, oh, I'll just sleep when I'm dead, which it sounds great uh, at some point because you're like, oh, I'll just sleep whenever I need to. And I'd, you know, I can willpower my way through this. But if you really pay attention to what the studies show in terms of just our biological rhythms, we need that sleep. We need that whatever it is, seven to nine hours, depending on you know your individual physiological needs. But we really need that time to relax and recharge. And I love the I love the analogy you give of kind of hitting the reset button on your computer because there's just some interesting studies that show sleeping actually helps you retain information better. And if you practice acquiring that information multiple times throughout the day, and then if you practice it right before you go to bed, either you take a nap or you go to sleep at night, they say that you retain that information better. So getting enough sleep is actually beneficial in helping you learn better and improve. We can apply this immediately to strength training. If you are learning how to do uh, new movements or you're learning how to implement a program correctly, or you're just learning anything in general, you practice that stuff over and over, getting good enough sleep and getting enough rest help solidify what you're learning. So there are many benefits of sleep. Another one is some studies showing that people actually lose more weight and lose more body fat when they sleep more uh, compared to other people. So I think it was like five hours with the people that were sleeping too little and the people that got like seven to nine hours of sleep comparatively lost more body fat and retained more lean body mass than those who slept little. And the interesting thing there is it just kind of shows you how restorative and how important sleep is for recovery. Now that we've kind of talked about sleep a little bit, that's one way to really make sure that you're you're dealing with stress. You know, one thing I, I tell people is 
the most important macro is sleep. Everyone's always asking, what's the best diet? What's the best training program? What's the best recovery method? But I, I like to say the best macro is sleep because sleep is probably more important than diet and training when it comes to actually getting enough of it. Because if you're nailing your diet, you're nailing your, your training, you're doing all those things right, but you're only sleeping three or four hours a night, your, your body's just not going to recover. And until you take care of that aspect of the recovery process, you're not going to make the progress you want. And you actually may go backwards. Let's talk about some other methods to work on dealing with stress because we all deal with stress, whether it be school, our job, even just dealing with training stress. Like training can be pretty exhausting in itself if you're, if you're really pushing yourself. And learning how to deal with that stress and relax and recover can be an art form for some people because it's not really taught to us too much when we're growing up and we tend to have a lot of demands and a lot of expectations. So we tend to not really understand how to, you know, relax and recharge. So Raj, I know you have some familiarity with like float tanks and stuff like that. So tell us about like what a float tank is and how you use it and what you've seen in terms of benefits. Yeah. So the, I think the benefits for meditation and float tanks, they go hand in hand together. So my experience with float tanks, and for those of you that aren't aware of what one actually is, it's pretty much a big box filled with water and salt that you float in. It's dark. So... If you can't swim, don't worry, you won't die. You literally, if you, you can't drown unless you turn over on your stomach face down in it. So don't worry about that. For those that uh, have claustrophobia issues, that may be a thing, but I, I don't like tight spaces personally, but I found it to be just fine. But really the, the biggest benefit I found for it was just, just that it forced me to have some quiet time for myself. Because again, with, just with like meditation, there's so much input coming in and there's so many things we're thinking about and we have to address and all it's like we're constantly on our phone. So there's always input. So rarely do we get that chance to really just sit in a room with our thoughts, with no interruptions. And I found that to be the best use of the float tank. So really, you know, I, I recommend going in there at least 30 minutes at a time, ideally an hour. And that's, that's what I do. So I just lay in there. And the first 15, 20 minutes are usually a lot of just chatter in my brain. Like I just think of the most random things as pop in and out. But what's been most beneficial for me is just learning to not like hold on to those thoughts too long. Just have them and just let them go as I just, you know, I have no input. That's the benefit of the flow tank. There's no sound. Um, there's no light coming in because it's completely blacked out. And the water is body is body temperature. So you won't feel the water against your skin after after a certain point. So it really feels like you're just kind of floating in space. It will well, actually no, it's worse than floating in space because there's no there's no stars. So it's just like you're floating in darkness, which sounds mad creepy, but it's actually really soothing and, and calming after you get used to that. And it's I think it's a perfect way to begin to get into meditation and experience float tank at the same time. Like you can use a lot of these same meditative techniques that, you know, I'm sure you'll touch on in a bit in the float tank. But the main benefit is really just chilling out, taking time away from all distractions and just being with your thoughts, letting them go, focusing on your breath. And, uh, you know, because of the salt in the, um, in the water, the, I'm sure there are some kind of magnesium benefits as well because it's kind of like a giant Epsom salt bath that you float in. But those kind of you know minerals can help 
with stress reduction as well. So yeah, it's funny that you mentioned the magnesium thing because uh, in terms of supplements and nutrients and minerals that we need in the body, magnesium is one of those ones that we seem to be really deficient in. And there's a lot that goes behind uh, the studies in magnesium showing that it's a huge uh, component of stress reduction in the body. So that's really interesting uh, that you mentioned that the the whole idea of being in uh, pitch black and feeling like you're floating sounds kind of like creepy to me, but <laughs> but it is. Man. I, mean, I haven't had a chance to do it, and like I know you've encouraged me, and Kate's encouraged me, and multiple people, Rob, have told me I need to do it. I just haven't had a chance, but I have I have a little bit of experience with meditation, and um, I actually have some resources on that and I'll put those in the show notes uh I did a video on meditation a couple years ago just kind of as an intro and interesting thing about meditation is there's really no one way to do it there's no right or wrong way I really just encourage people to start small and just get a taste of it and the reason I say that is because meditation in itself shouldn't be sought out as a way to immediately reduce stress and what I mean by that is Learning how to meditate is is a skill just like anything else. And when you're trying to learn something new, especially if you have some type of attachment to learning that new thing, meaning you think that it's going to give you something or it's going to benefit you, there's some type of weird anxiety there, meaning like, oh, I need to learn this because it's going to make me better at this or it's going to give me a certain outcome. And if you go to meditation because you're like, oh, I'm so stressed out, I'm freaked out, I need to meditate so I can you know, reduce the stress in my life, you might be in for a rude awakening because the act of meditating itself, if you've never done it, if you've never paid attention to what goes into meditation, you can stress yourself out just trying to be more relaxed. And I know that sounds weird, but let me explain a little bit. So every single day, like we're always, something's always going on in the background. So whether we're reading something on the computer or we've got a phone in our hands or we've got earbuds in our ears. We're always distracted. We're always looking at something. We're always thinking about something. Even when we are, you know, focused on a task, our mind wanders all the time and we start to think about other things and um, we start to really, you know, we can get lost in thought without even really thinking much about it. But if our attention is being held by something by like a phone or whatever it is, um, we're, we're getting constant input. Even if we're like constantly going back and forth between three or four different things, we're doing something with our attention. Some people will say, oh, meditation is emptying your mind, which is totally not true because meditation is mostly just focusing on the present moment, observing thoughts that come into your, to your head, but not necessarily getting fixated on them. It's more about just paying attention. I'm kind of talking more about the so-called mindful meditation. There's a whole bunch of other ones, but we'll just talk about mindful meditation. Mindful meditation is, is what it is. You just you sit down or you lay down, you focus on something, and most people say focus on counting your breath. So feel the breath in your belly, when you inhale, when you exhale, feel the air leaving your, your nose and just relaxing and paying attention to those to how it feels in the body. For beginners, most people will just count to 10 every breath, and then once you get to 10, you just start over. And uh, what they'll typically tell you is pay attention to every time you have to come back to the breath. So chances are you're going to start counting, and after you get to 4 or 5 or whatever it is, 
you're already going to be thinking about something else. You're going to be thinking, oh, wow, like I'm sitting here meditating. I hope no one walks in and finds me because they're going to ask me what I'm doing and I might be embarrassed or, oh, my stomach's growling. I'm really hungry. I haven't eaten since 2 o'clock and here it is 9 p.m. and like I need to get some dinner. And then next thing you know, you're like, oh, shoot, I've been thinking about all this other stuff. And then you go back to counting again. That is like the basics of mindful meditation. And that in itself can be really stressful because if like I'm speaking for myself here and I'm a perfectionist and I am one of those people that wants to do something right the first time I do it. And if I don't, I feel like a failure. And so starting something like meditation can be really stressful if you're seeking it for some type of benefit. So I'm not discouraging you to look into meditation as a way of relaxing because it definitely helps, but I encourage you to go into it with an open mind and start really small. So one thing that I think is really important to do is start with like two or three minutes a day. And if you're laughing at me right now, thinking that, oh, that's, that's nothing, that, that's, that's stupid, why would I only meditate for three minutes? Well, if you've never done it, I would encourage you to try it because just sitting down for three minutes, closing your eyes and focusing on your breath can be really challenging for a lot of people. And that's because we're so stimulated all the time, whether it be through media uh, on the TV or what's coming in through our ears, uh, what we see when we're driving down the road, what's on our computer when we're at work or what's on Facebook or all these different apps popping up on us. We're so stimulated. And when you try to sit down in silence for three minutes and not do anything but focus on your breath, it can be really uncomfortable. So I always encourage people who want to build up a practice is commit to no more than three minutes a day for at least a few weeks, uh, maybe longer. Because if you commit to more than that, you might find yourself really squirming after four or five minutes when you promised yourself you would do 10 minutes and then you finally say to hell with it and you quit at five or six minutes. And then you just feel like a failure because you committed to this 10-minute thing, but you can't even get yourself to sit still for five minutes. So start with three minutes. If you can and you want to, seek some help out in your in your area. I understand not every area has a place to go for meditation, but I've been to meditation retreats. I've met with teachers in various cities that I've been in. And it's really great to sit with a teacher uh, who can help you with meditation because sometimes having that expert there to sit and guide you is, is actually pretty comforting. That can be really beneficial. Uh, another thing that you can try, which I'm kind of like split on this, but I'll mention it because I think it, I think it can help people. But there's an application on smartphones uh, called Headspace. I think you've used it, haven't you, Roger? Or no? Never opened it. I was like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, Headspace has a has an app, and the last time I checked it out, which was a while back, they do like ten or twelve meditations for free. Like you can just use it for however many days. I can't remember, but um, I think they do have a subscription plan. Uh, I'm not I'm not sure how it works anymore, but I just know like even using it as the intro just to get you into mindful meditation. It can be really beneficial. I know people that have used it a lot, and uh, I even know people that have paid for the service. Uh, they have some. They have different meditations. They have like, uh, say, you have the guided stuff. The guided stuff can be really helpful when you're starting out because if you have a voice in your in your ears that's helping you focus on your breath and helping you get focused, it can be really beneficial. And that's kind of similar to having a teacher. If you're sitting with a teacher and and they notice that you're getting uncomfortable, they can kind of help you work through that discomfort. To me, it sounds so strange when I'm saying it out loud because it's like, wow, you're just sitting in silence. But I've been there like sitting with the teacher working through the struggles of sitting in silence. So there's something to be said about solitude. And 
when I mean solitude, I mean getting away from just whatever it is in your life that maybe causes you stress and also just having some time alone. As humans, we tend to be afraid of being alone. And whether that means being alone for 10 minutes on a car ride, we can't even sit in the silence and drive somewhere. We have to call someone or we have to be on you know, have a podcast going or whatever. Or some people even take it as far as traveling abroad for two or three months and traveling solo and spending a lot of time by themselves. So whatever it is, whatever it means for you, I think it's really important to take time on a consistent basis to, to seek solitude. And I know for me personally, one thing that I love, and this is due to my upbringing, I grew up in the woods. I grew up in Arkansas and like the first 10 years of my life, I lived way out in the woods, like way away from the city. So every day when I would go out and play, and I was an only child, so there was no kids around, it was just me. Every day when I would wake up, like I would go out in the wilderness, go out in the woods, and we always had dogs and cats, like I would play with the animals, and I would just go out in the woods and just ride my bike up and down the dirt road. And there's something really calming to me about nature. So I try to get out to nature as much as I can. Anytime I get a chance to get out and go hiking, I don't always go by myself. I go with other people, but just being out in nature and being out in that solitude away from smartphones and the loud cars and the trains and everything else in the city is really beneficial. And just something about being in nature seems to just kind of help you let go of some of the stress that we carry around. I know Raj likes to hike too, so. Yeah, it's great to, to really touch on that because that's a simple thing that we can do to really just chill out, but it seems like it's not possible because we have to let go of so many things in order to do it because it's like, oh, I have to, well, what if I, what if people need me from email? What if someone calls or X, Y, Z? So it doesn't have to be this big thing that you do for stretches of time, like a weekend or whatnot. If you, if you have the freedom and luxury to do that, I highly recommend it. But you know, that that's been my experience for sure. Like I've rented an Airbnb a couple of times out in uh, New Hampshire, and there's just like 10, 15 acres of land, uh, no neighbors, just complete quiet at night. You just getting away from the city lights and things like that. You look up in the sky and you're like, holy shit, there's so many stars out there. And there, there's been a lot of writing about the like just the restorative benefits of nature too. And I, I'm I don't know anything about the scientifics of all that, but just I know personally. And just a lot of writers, they go to they go into nature to write. So I think there's something uh, something to that for sure that it's hard to actually explain in terms of some kind of scientific way. But I highly recommend everyone go out to nature, even just like a park and just sit in a park and just walk around. No headphones, no phone. Just just walk, think, look around, breathe. It's something as simple as that and just disconnecting from so much stimulus you find that you, you notice things that you might not have otherwise noticed because you're too busy thinking about something else or doing something else, like just like animals. Like I remember I was walking in the woods. And I saw a fox. I was like, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen a fox before in my life outside of a like a movie or animated. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. Yeah. Like it caught me off guard. I was like, wow, okay. Those things actually exist. And it was just one of those moments that I normally would have missed because I'm just like scrolling on something. Or whatnot, but highly recommend that. And if nothing else, just taking time in your your day to disconnect from everything, even if it's thirty minutes, and just read a book or not, just sit in a chair 
yo, if you get get a rocking chair, that that that's that's really relaxing. There's no phone, maybe a candle, and just chill in a rocking chair, thinking you might fall asleep, or if not, you'll just be highly relaxed. <laughs> Even when you kind of say that to me, like, even though I've done this a lot, I still kind of, like, get a little anxiety. When you said go walk in a park with no phone and no earbuds, nothing like that, like, that still kind of gives me a little bit of anxiety because I'm so used to using these things on a daily basis. And it and it reminds me that taking that time is really important. I mean, even though I do go out and try to get out in nature and stuff, it kind of makes you realize how addicted to a lot of the stimulus we are. And one thing that I try to remind myself of anytime I start to feel like, oh, I need my smartphone for something, or I'm going to be out in the woods camping and I need my smartphone to stay connected or whatever. I always think back, what did I do when I was 10 or 11 years old and I was out in the woods? It sticks on trees. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I just like hung out like I built the fire or went and gathered the rocks to build a fire pit or went and gathered the sticks and did all that stuff or set up the tent or I would go walk around. We all made it in life before we had all this shit. And so I think it's important to remember that if you feel anxiety about certain things like that, it's a good sign that maybe taking that chance and getting away from it for a while could serve you in a positive way. Yeah, 100%. I think what you just said, like you hit on that perfectly, and I felt the same way too, is that like you just get anxiety around like leaving your little square thing with a battery in it at home. And I think that that's a sign that if it's that anxiety-inducing, it's probably something you, you need to work on or at least consider working on because like it's before we had them, we just, you know, we didn't we didn't have that same kind of feeling of always being connected. And now, if you're not connected, it feels like you're just floating off in the space when really you're just kind of connected to yourself, which is one of the, the best stress reduction strategies out there. Yeah, that's it for our stress podcast. We just wanted to touch on a handful of things. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you loved it, please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a future episode.